4: the friday's edition of big blue kickoff live it's a snowy day in north jersey thank you so much for being with us we'll be here for the next hour i'm paul tatino he is super bowl champion part of jeff feagles our phone number if you'd like to reach us is 201-939-4513 201-939-4513 also on twitter you could always go to hashtag giants chat If you'd like to contact us that way, you'll also be able to find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. The Giants have their regular season finale coming up at 1 p.m. at MetLife Stadium on Sunday against the Washington football team, the team that will have a new name very, very shortly. We believe, according to Boomer Esiason, of course, that they'll be the Washington
5: Admirals. Jeff, it's gonna take us mm-hmm. a long time to get used to that. Wow. We just got we just got used to the Washington football team. Now we're gonna to have to get used to the Admirals. <laughs> By the okay. way, I'll
6: say this. Of all the names that are left, I like Commanders. I think Commanders is the best one. You know, Commander in Chief. Washington, D.C., there's not another team, really, that's the Commanders. I yeah. like Commanders. You know, John, the problem with me is that <laughs> I really like the old
4: USFL name, the Washington Federals. All right. I like oh, that. I'll go with that. I'll and I'll the problem is they're not going to do that, obviously, because it was with the USFL. See, now, so. now,
6: I think I made this joke with Jeff before. I'm not sure if you're on, Paul, and I made it. Someone made a really – I thought I had a really good line, and they said the, the name of the <laughs> team should be the Washington Red Tape. Or the Washington <laughs> bureaucracy, and I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah not bad. Hey, not how bad. about how about speaking of the USFL? I know we don't want to get, up, but how about that coming back in the spring? It's kind of a kind of a cool thing, you know. If if you were you know around when the USFL was around, um, seeing some of the old names that are a lot like the other ones. So yeah, we'll in see name only, though, Jeff. You what's know that? It's in name only. They bought the rights to all the names, mm-hmm. and that's why they're bringing it
4: back as the USFL like point two. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if it's going to actually be anything like the original USFL, I which was actually it. a
5: very good league. Yeah, that was. a I mean, there were some there were some marquee players that went to that USFL back in the day. You think about it. Remember well, Jim Jim, I mean, Jim Kelly, Herschel uh, Walker, uh, uh,
4: yes, Sean Mendetta, uh, Reggie White. Mm. <laughs> yeah, lots yeah, of good oh, ones. Oh, That's for sure. Anyway, um, so uh, we digress. How about the Washington monuments? No, that wouldn't work. that wouldn't work. <laughs> in any event, uh, they'll be playing the Washington Red Team on Sunday. Will the New your York team. Football Giants your
5: your your name the Red Team?
4: That's the okay. name that I gave them a couple of years ago, and I'm sticking with it for the time being. The Washington Red Team. Uh, that's a team that you'll recall beat the Giants in Week Two with the uh, dead ball field goal after the offside call against Dexter Lawrence allowed Washington to get one more snap off and. Uh, the field goal that was made by Hopkins made it a 30-29 to 29, uh, Washington victory, which it seems like that's years ago. It was only week two, Jeff, but uh, it does seem like forever ago, and maybe that was a <laughs> foreshadowing of how badly things would go this year for the Giants.
5: Uh, you, you don't want to say that that's what started it all, but that was one of the losses that the Giants should have won, going back to counting like the Atlanta game, you know, some other ones that the, the Giants should have won. But um, regardless, they are on the precipice of the last game soon. And so um, I remember, Paul, being in this situation <laughs> many times when you're going into the last game of the season not playing for anything um, mm-hmm. and wondering I, – I, I never wondered anything. I knew that I went and prepared to go play the game Every single way, every week the same time, same way. It didn't matter, right? right? Because that's all about routine. And having pride of uh, I don't want to say ownership, but you know what I mean, you take pride in your skill, then you're gonna go out there and you're gonna do the best you can and, and that comes with preparation. So um, one thing that I feel like this team has done a good job with, uh, some of the few things that this team has done a good job with. And I, th- I feel like the, that the team is prepared every week they may not have the talent to compete and do things like that from you know many people's perspective but I feel like this every one of these guys is gonna show up Sunday with a purpose and you know we we didn't talk a lot about this because I think we we've done it over and over Paul and I'll I'll shut up here in a second but you know what there's to play for when they're when you're on a team with nothing to play for. Um, Pride has a big part of that and also evaluation and things like that but You know, as a player's perspective, just coming from from what I've been around is that you got to you got to be focused and you got to do your job. And that's all you ever have to to think about. So I like Thomas McGay, He got to talk to the press as he normally they all do on the coordinators. I like what he said. He sets his head on the pillow every night knowing that he has done the best job he possibly can. So he never has to worry about his job security. That is spot on. And if you are a player and you've done that, that's all you can ask for. Some guys are just are way better than others, and, you know, some guys climb the ladder. But uh, this game will be interesting from both perspectives because not only talking about the Giants, you're talking about the Red. Excuse me, did I almost just say that? I did. I said half the word. The Red word. team. The <laughs> Red team. It's okay. You the Washington football the team, team is uh, – I got a lot of guys over there in the same circumstance, and I don't know what happened to that team. They were 6-6, six and six, and they were moving in the right direction, but then all of a sudden, you know, bad quarterback play, injuries, COVID, uh, and now they're, you know – they're just got nothing to play for either. So, Jeff, take 20, it away, Paul. Twenty-two
4: years in the league, right, Jeff? Yeah. And seven playoff appearances. Is that how many it was? I I, I have no idea. Well, honestly, that's, that's what I got you down for in right. my notes here because I want to. I wanted okay. to ask you
5: a question about <laughs> seven. this and how many of them <laughs> were that in right? one year. Well, yeah, I guess. But think about this. How many of them came in one season in 07? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about seven trips
4: to the playoffs. I'm not talking about oh, how many games you played. Oh, According, seven trips. Actually, Pro Football Reference has you down. I'm looking at it now. It has you down for 11 postseason games. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, my notes were right. You went to the playoffs seven times okay. in your 22-year career. So that meant there were an awful lot of times where you did play for a team that wound up finishing out of the money. So my my question for you is, how much responsibility do you feel those guys felt to the coaching staff and their own teammates when they did go out onto the field for the final game of the season, besides the obvious answer that you have to put something good on tape because your own career may depend on it?
5: Yeah, I I think it's That's a layered question. I feel like there's a lot of guys that really, you know, they have no impact on the coach at all because they're not very good either. And so I think that they have to look out for themselves. Um, And this is the, and this is the hard thing because, you know, you never want to be a selfish player because when you have too many of those guys, the team just doesn't function well. Um, But, you know, you're always looking out for yourself when it comes down to your performance because, you know, what I mean by that is that you shouldn't have to – if you prepare and you study and you go out and do things, you're going to have a bad game here and there regardless of how you prepared or not. Sometimes it's just not in the cards that day, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like a lot of times there are some thoughts about, hey, you know what, I just wish – because you have such great relationships with coaches because – you spend so, – they're your, they're your second family. You're spending so much time with these guys, you know, and you really – you get to know them. You get to know – you know, maybe not to get to know their family personally, but you know about their family, their kids. You know, they come around on Saturdays or in preseason, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, you you have a – you know, you feel bad going out there, but the bottom line is that you got to go play football. you got to go, you know, play to win the game and let the chips fall where they may because on the upside of it, if you're doing well and things are going well, then – you know, that's a good thing. Then you're really happy for your staff and the guys. Mm-hmm. But Mondays are tough when you're on bad football teams because, um, you know, you call it the baggy day uh, where everybody brings, you know, they, they clean out their lockers yes. and all that kind of stuff. So it's bittersweet because sometimes you're going in there for your own last time. And sometimes you're going in there seeing guys that you're not going to see on your teammates again who may right. never ever be in the league. So it's it's bitter. It's kind of a tough day. And then when you know that, Something's coming down the pike, or at least you hear things, um, and you got to assume, you know, it's just it's not a good day, and a lot of guys just want to get the you know what out of there. They they don't like you know a lot of people don't like to to be around those types of situations. I was one of the guys where I was fortunate because in the 22 seasons I played, I only got fired once, and that was in my second year, and I stunk, and so it was it was I knew it was coming. Um, And I vowed never to let that happen again. And you guys know that that was my mantra. That was how I Mm -hmm. made it through because I was so embarrassed and I did not want that to ever happen to me and my family ever, ever again. So I did what I I did what it took to to survive, if you will. But I stuck around because I wanted to – these are guys I hung and went to war with. Every, not war, but, you know, what I'm talking about. I hate to use that because it's it's not right. Went to went to battle on the field with these guys every Sunday for a long time, and some of them aren't going to be around anymore. So, you know, you say goodbye to a lot of these guys, and um, it's tough. It's a tough day that Monday. It really is. Yeah, but no I'll tell you what, what, what helps a little bit, even though it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, if you win your last game and, and you're go, not going to the playoffs and nothing, I mean, draft order and those kinds of things mean it, but it does put a good taste in your mouth if you win the game it does have a little bit more of an upbeat feeling in that locker room as you've been in it before on both sides.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, no doubt about that. I,
4: I totally agree <laughs> with you, Jeff. It, it's, it's a much more somber feeling when you lose the season finale. It's regardless piling on, of, right? It's just we, piling yeah, regardless on. Regardless of the circumstances. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whether or not it's a playoff game, obviously that hurts even more. But even losing the regular season finale is, is a real downer. So uh, for that reason alone, if nothing else, Uh, I'm sure a lot of Giants players would like to have their heads held high on Sunday when they leave the football field. Um, Quickly, just looking at the practice report, uh, we know what came out yesterday, a whole slew of guys on it once again. But earlier this morning, Joe Judge, uh, the head coach, just came off the Zoom call before we got to start this program, and he did say that uh, Kadarius Toney still dealing with a shoulder injury. The trainer's going to look at him this morning. The Giants will practice outside on the grass field today and they'd like to see if they can get him to do some things with the potential of maybe having him available for the game on Sunday. He seems to be the only one that they're uh, kind of waffling on. A couple of other guys to note who did not practice yesterday, and I think that Lorenzo Carter uh, coming down ill, but, again, not COVID, folks. Let me make that clear. Just just feeling a bit under the weather. Um, that That's kind of a rough one for him because – He's actually played extremely well, has a sack in three consecutive games, uh, and down the stretch here as he uh, tries to continue his year-long comeback from the Achilles uh, tendon surgery, um, you know, he's he's actually played really well the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure he'd like to have another chance to go out there and put something else on tape.
5: Oh, Sure. Sure, and, and and luckily, you know, like you said, it's not COVID; it's illness. So, you know, this flu bug's kind of going around, and you know, things like that happen this time of the year. So, you know, he's still got a little bit of day. Today's Friday; you got till Sunday. So, hopefully, he'll be back. And, um, you know, that's a that's a push for Lorenzo Carter. You got to understand, guys like him who are coming. You know, it's his contract year. Yes. So, um, and by the way, what are the Giants? One of their, you know, what do they need? They need pass rushers. And you know, obviously, he's had a little bit of an up and down career here with the Giants, um, injuries and you know things like that, not playing well. But um, I know that when when Jim Bet when James Betcher was here, um, I believe he was a rookie, and you know he had a good he was had some good things. And I remember Betcher was telling him how excited, telling me how excited he was to have him. And then, you know, I just think he's a hundred percent healthy now. And and he even said it, Paul, about. You know, I just feel more comfortable on the field now. And I think that goes a long ways in telling people that that's how long it takes you in this league to figure things out. And by the way, he's been in a system for a couple of years now with Coach Graham, and they're using him the way that he needs to be used. And you know, that's a big part of a player's progression and his maturity as far as his maturation getting to the point to be a good player is having the coaching staff put them in the right positions. Look at Micah Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I think Dan Quinn has done a remarkable job of putting him where he is has succeeded. <laughs> I mean, really high expectations this year. So mm-hmm. that's what it, so good for him. Yeah, I hopefully he can be back on Sunday cuz I think he wants to go out with a bang and uh, obviously he has a future in the league and whether it's back with the Giants or someone else, we'll see. All right, 201-939-4513 is our phone number.
4: I will get to the calls in about 60 seconds. One final notation. Uh, Saquon Barkley limited at practice yesterday with that sore ankle. Jeff, I think it's very important for him after the 100-yard performance last week, his first one since 2019 and all the injuries that he's had, that he puts together a back-to-back stellar game. I I really think it's important psychologically, mentally, emotionally. If Barkley can put together 200-yard games in a row – and again, last week he did it with a long run of only 10 because they were dirty yards. And that's what I really
5: like to see out of him. Yeah, everybody would. And, um, you know, we always talk about momentum going into the next season. I think this is something we just got to throw that out the window. Um, but for mentally and psychologically and all those things, for Saquon Barkley, I think it means more to him than a lot of other people because it shows that he's he's – and really, when you look at like a trend, what's trending – I think that Saquon Barkley is trending up in the last uh, month of the season. He's just kind of, you know, he's got better. Every game, better, 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 whether the blocking was there or not. You could see his desire to, to change and really start to run downhill. And, um, you know, and I think there's also some internal motivation there for things he might hear in the press and what people are saying about him. And, you know, I, I know last week was a big step for him because I will tell you that I never – Obviously missed a game in my career because of injury, but I would imagine that that's got to be a pretty, you know, when you go back to the stadium that you, you know, got hurt at, a very significant injury, you want to prove to yourself and to other people that you're back and that it was a long road to get where I was, you know, because that's a ACL is a long road, and by by the way, for Saquon Paul, how he cuts and moves and things like that, man, that knee's got to be really, really supportive of what he's going to do. So. Yeah, for him, I think it, it'll be good, and um, mm-hmm. they're going to lean on him. I mean, we're not going to get too much into the game plan for the for the Washington game, but I, I don't have to tell you much what's going to happen Sunday. It's going to be a lot of handoffs. Well,
4: Jake Fong <laughs> gets his second pro start. All right, let's go to the phone calls, and we will start with Mick in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are first on BBKL. Hello.
8: Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. Hi. First of all, let me tell you – how much we appreciate the job you guys do because you're the oasis of peace for us, Giant Phantom. It's a swirling
5: of Giants Football. Thank so, you, oasis of now, peace. I like that. Thank you. No,
8: now Jeff made a comment a while ago, which is obviously so true. We all know it that uh, Giants need more pass rushers. I think one of the problems this team has, in particular Joe Judge, is they don't recognize talent and utilize it. Let me ask you a question. In 2019, we had Marcus Golden, our best defensive player. We had sure. 10 sacks. He was a great run, great run stopper. Judge comes on board, and he makes him second string, and we ended up dumping him for a six-round draft choice. Golden then ended up with 10 sacks last year. He killed the Giants when he faced them. He has 11 sacks now. That's example number one. Example number two, I was always a big Wayne Gallman fan. Last year when the Giants had the injuries at running back, they picked up every free agent they could find off the streets, Morris and uh, Freeman, before they finally gave Gallman a chance. He went out to average 4.6 yards a carry. His last game as a Giant, he had 120 yards, never fumbled all year long. And they let him get away, and we we pay uh, Booker, who's a nice player, we pay Booker twice the money probably what Gallman's making right now. Giants don't recognize talent. They don't utilize, I mean, how do you like guys like Golden not even, how do you make him second string, guys are third?
4: I think, I think I'll give you a mixed answer on that one. I would be, I was a big Marcus Golden fan. Liked him an awful yes. lot. I do know cool. that he was not a fit for Patrick Graham's system. And when you have a player who doesn't fit the coordinator's scheme, you have two choices. Either the coordinator has to figure out a way to make the guy work within his philosophy, so he's got to tweak it somehow, or the guy doesn't do you any good being on the roster because he's basically dead wood because the coordinator decides he doesn't fit the scheme. We're not going to use him, and then you might as well get something for him. So that, that's the story with Golden, and I, I, so I understand your, sympathy, your, your feelings on this because I was a big Marcus Golden fan. I don't understand, right, right. quite honestly, how they could not find a way to use him in their scheme. But given that they couldn't, I think they did the right thing by trying to get something for him. Uh, as far as how Wayne did he Goleman, not fit their scheme? I'm sorry. How did he not fit their scheme? I, I don't know. No, that's I'll be question. honest with you. We, I never We don't have the goes, answer.
5: No, that goes
4: that goes above our pay grade. But it was clear okay. that he didn't fit their scheme because they weren't putting him on the field.
7: Yeah. And right. that's the only reason that. not
4: to put him out there, okay? Right. Um, so, I, I, again, I sympathize with your feelings, though, because I'm a, I'm a big Marcus Golden fan. Uh, as far Same as there. the second point, though, that's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little more information that kind of disputes what you said. When Goldman was done here, he did not want to resign here. He wanted to go somewhere else to get a fresh start. So even if they had asked him to come back, that wasn't going to, to do the trick, now, this year he's been with San Francisco, Atlanta, and now with Minnesota. He's on his third team already this year. And I would probably say to you that Devontae Booker has done a fine job, and I, I don't know what the salaries were. I'd have to go back and take a look at the salaries, but mm-hmm. I don't think that was necessarily a bad move by the Giants, especially since Goldman did not wish to return and wanted to get a fresh start. You, so you can't blame them for that one.
8: Well, let, let, let me give you another one. When we hit Eric Flowers, both the media and Giant fans were screaming, try the guy at guard. He didn't want to play here.
4: Ah, see, I got to help you out with that one, too. He refused to play guard for the Giants. He had a very, very poor attitude. He was selfish, and he told the Giants he was not going to play guard, and they gave him every opportunity to stay on the roster, and he basically thumbed his nose at them. So they had no choice. And now wow, realizing right. that his career was on the skids, and he was going to be kicked out of the NFL if he didn't change his ways, when he found another team, he was willing to do whatever they asked him to do because he knew the next step was going to be on the curb. So I'm sorry, but yeah, I, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't let
8: you have that one either. Okay. Well, how about this one? <laughs> you want to keep trying? Step.
4: That's okay.
8: We'll, we'll let you have right, another one, one more. One more for you. You're doing a good job, Polly what's the count right, one two more and two. Dexter, <laughs> Dexter Lawrence a great college nose tackle we have playing as a 320 pound defensive end giving us two sacks a year why isn't he a tackle
5: Jeff you want to take this one well he is a tackle he plays inside not outside-hmm yeah so you know he's a, he's just a he's a obviously he's underachieved um, and you know he's a more of a run stopper I think that you know he when Tomlinson left I think that uh, you know teams could pay attention to him a little bit more because they didn't have to deal with uh, Dalvin Um, and he's you know he's a guy that's just uh, you know you would like to see more of him so I'm not I'm not going to sit up here and tell him that he's he should be an all pro and nobody's voting for him but um, yeah he plays inside and he's a he's he's a starter and he's a rotational guy that you know he, he comes out on passing downs once in a while so uh, you know, yeah, do you want more out of him? And I think you're right. It, it would be better to, if he had a little bit more production.
4: I, I would say this, yeah, I, you know, we're getting caught yes. up in a
5: lot of the nomenclature
4: because, yes, with the Giants using a stand-up linebacker on the outside, they call him a defensive end and a 3-4, but he's really yeah. playing more inside.
5: But, yeah. That's,
4: right. that's what that's what Jeff's well, trying no, to tell no, you.
8: Yeah, that was my question because with a 3-4, you got Austin Johnson's our starting tackle and you got Williams and uh, Lawrence at the end. But irregardless, you can't rush the pass so We're getting it, not getting any results at all.
4: Yeah, they they could use more pass rush out of him. I would not. I would not dispute that at all. They certainly could. He does push well, the pocket some in the front, but it would be it would be more helpful. But we always talk. We used to talk about that with Snacks Harrison too. Remember, mm-hmm. we always used right. to say, "Well, the right. guy's really great against the run. It'd be really wonderful if he could give you more pass rush."
5: Well, you know, you look right. around the league too. Um, there's a handful of guys that you know, are very good at the tackle position, you know, and, you know, they play that three, 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 you know, three, it's just, but you know, you're not, those guys aren't leading the league every year in sacks, you know, I mean, maybe Aaron Donald might, but he, you know, he's pretty darn good. Um, But I feel like, you know, I think that what's a number that you'd like to see out of a defensive tackle for sacks per year? Would you, would you be okay with five, six? What, what, what do you think? Oh, I think I think any time you get a half a dozen out of
4: a defensive tackle, you're really yeah. in good good time territory. Yeah, for, at least five. If you can get six, I think I think you're very sure. grateful for that. Sure. Now, and he had the, four the flip... last year. Yeah. You know, and on, well, on he the had flip four side last of this it...
5: year, which 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 is almost there, but only two and a half this year. Yeah, but you really want to see is his strong suit is a, as a legitimate run stopper with with some talent to get after the quarterback. Um, And even if you can't get the sacks, there's a lot of pressures in there, right? And hits on the quarterback because those become a little bit more cumulative as you go, even though it is a statistic that's kept, you know, hits on the quarterback, even though you didn't sack them. So, you know, those guys are big and they're not always the fastest thing, even though the the shortest distance between, you know, the shortest distance is a straight line, right? So they got a straight line to the quarterback, but – you know they got to get through a couple guys before they get in there, and they're also 330 pounds.
4: Now, Jeff, uh, the, the caller did drop out, but I would add this if he's still listening online or on his telephone. I would add this: Aziz Ojalari has done a pretty nice job as a rookie, as we know. You know, he's already come up with eight and a half sacks, and he plays usually on the outside right shoulder of Dexter Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to tell you, and I haven't gone deep into this. Uh, I think that Dexter Lawrence has probably been somewhat of a help to Ozil Lowry in his rookie season. And yeah. I think if we talked to Aziz, he would probably tell you, you know what, Dexter Lawrence makes my life a lot easier. And, you know, if that's the value he provides, then that's the value he provides. Yep. Absolutely. All right? Absolutely. Yep. A good call. We we tried we to help him out a little bit with a good explanation. Uh, line one, Charlie from Portland, Maine. You're next on the
0: show. Hello. Hey Paul.
4: What's hey up? Jeff.
5: How Hello. how you guys Good.
4: doing? Good.
9: Good. Hey,
0: I, I I think the name for the Washington team should be the Washington Veterans. And the Washington oh, veterans my. would would honor everyone, everyone who ever served this country. And I think uh, that would be a great way to exit from what they were to what they are now and I think it would be I think it would be the best name for them and they could uh, they could really honor uh, service men and women um, through the through the decades. So,
4: Charlie, I'm all for honoring our military. I've had family in the military, so I, I always I always thank every military person who calls up for their service because I think it's important. Sure. I would say this though, on the flip side of what you're saying, what yeah. if the team is one 15 fifteen, one zero in, oh and in sixteen, or zero oh seventeen, and and they get booed? And the fans are really down on them. And, and what, if a, what if a player, a Washington veteran, so to speak, if that was their new name, got caught in a, in a very bad legal action? Then, then it besmirches the name. And now, now you're dirtying the name in a way that you don't want to do. You want to honor these guys, and now all of a sudden that turns into a really bad deal.
0: Well, then they'd have to be on their, you know, they'd have to, uh, that would be a good way for them to really get quality and character guys on your team, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, you're playing for the veterans, man. You better, Charlie, like, shape Charlie. up.
4: Uh, <laughs> 20, what else you got, 20 20-year-old somethings making big money, they're not always on their best behavior, trust me. <laughs> All right, what, do you, what else hey. do you have?
0: Yeah, the other thing I got is two things. One thing is Dexter Lawrence was he should he has not lived up to the 17th pick in the draft in the first round. He uh hasn't even come close to that. Uh maybe if he was a third rounder, you'd say, "Hey, that, you know, he's doing okay for a third round pick," but he definitely they missed their mark on that. And, and the other thing is uh Washington has something to play for because Judge gave them something to play for. By uh, talking about the team and talking about punching on the sideline and talking about the coach and, uh, you know, like having no discipline or whatever he was trying to throw out there. And, uh, Rivera has responded and the team has responded. And I tell you, they got something to play for on Sunday. So, uh, Thanks to the to, to the coach, you're going to find a team that's going to be really playing hard. So that's all I got, guys. Hey, uh, have a good weekend. All right, Charlie, take care. Take care, guys. Thanks right, for
4: no the problem. call, 201-939-4513. Uh, fans, you can secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only $100. Limited seats are available. Speak with a Giants ticket rep now. Become a season ticket member by calling 888 888- NYG 1925. Back to the phones, and we go to line three. Jerry in Philadelphia wants to talk about Lorenzo Carter. Hi, Jerry. Hey,
1: hey, Jerry. hey guys. It's the uh, first time. Pleasure to speak yeah. to you. It's been Thanks a fun year. Us up. Yeah, no my pleasure. <laughs> uh, I'll get you yeah, at Carter. You guys, with him peaking at the end of the year, first question is, the type of injuries come back from... And is it the type of thing that you can expect a full recovery, as opposed to Gates, where there's absolutely absolutely no clue? And if so, are the Giants? I would think the Giants want to resign him. And what could they get him for?
5: That was the first question. Well, they certainly can resign him. Um, you know, sure. as we as we know the, the cap is is going to be a little bit tight for the Giants next year, and. You know, when it, when you we look at look at it from that perspective, I think that the Giants are going to have to they're going to make a small splash in free agency, in my opinion, because of the money situation. And therefore, I you know they have to figure out where they're going to to have to go after a need, which is a lot of times what you do in free agency. I feel like that need is going to have to come from the offensive line and maybe a veteran. Um, so they may not be able to be in a position to sign Lorenzo Carter, unfortunately. That's my opinion. I think,
4: first of all, he had the Achilles surgery, and they always tell you the second year after the surgery is where a guy will max out his capabilities, that his first year he may not be able to truly make it all the way back. I do think it's kind of – I don't know if it's a coincidence or not that in this last few weeks he's playing his best football. Is that because he's literally feeling his best physically, or is that because he's making a push – you know, understanding that his contract is up. I'll leave that to for you to, to opine about. <laughs> but here's what I will tell you. Um, if you look at the Giants' outside linebacker situation, and, Jeff, I know you and I have talked about this before, not only do we like Ojolari, both of us like Quincy Roche. We think he's got something to offer. Now, aside from those two guys, who else at the outside linebacker spot do you think you for sure – would like to bring back. O'Shane Zimenez has not really been productive? He's had a lot of trouble, you know, earning snaps this season. So I don't necessarily know what his future is going to be. So you could leave yourself very, very short unless you wind up, you know, getting somebody else in the draft. Uh, You might want to bring Lorenzo Carter back if he's economically friendly. Now, at the same time, they're certainly not going to be in a position to chase him to the bank.
5: No, you know, if somebody yeah.
4: else wants to give him a, a a juicy piece of change, I don't see the Giants chasing him.
1: Understood. Um, it's funny you mentioned Roche. I, I'm not an analytics guy. I don't follow that closely. But Roche, I did the other day look something up. He's, he's rated pretty highly for rookies at that spot. But uh, obviously they're going to keep him. I, right, Jeff, I have a question for you. I mean, he's under contract. This Riley Dixon, I hear people – Complaining all the time. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm not there. I don't know. Have they ever brought anybody in to compete against him during the year? Because he did not not like... during
5: not during the year. They don't do they don't do that during the year. Um, okay. Now, what they do do uh, is they will bring guys in on Tuesdays. The day, the players days off, and that's that's usually when they do that because that way the players aren't around, and so they bring players in. And not only do they do that regularly, whether they're trying to they have certain positions that they bring in, and on certain dates during the season. So, you know, they bring in. They're constantly working out guys that are there because of things that happen, like now. If there's they need to, injuries, they gotta sign somebody. Well, we worked out this guy a month ago, um, but yeah, if, if he's having a problem, they're bringing guys in. Uh, they'll do that, and yeah, and then they decide if they find. Remember this: all you have to do is think about. They want to put the best player on the field. If some guy comes in and Riley or any other punter for that matter or kicker or whatever, and they're not having a good season and they're week to week, they're just not, not improving. And they're hurting your ball club. Then they'll make a move. If they have a guy that they bring in, that they feel like, Hey, this guy looks pretty good. He's punting better than our guy right now. And then they make a change. However, you know, there's a lot of uh, ramifications that go into that because there's, you know, there's salary cap money and there's guarantees and things like that. So it's the whole economics of it. But the the bottom line and, and the answer to your question is is that they do bring players in every week they do play they will bring players in there if that if that guy is struggling and they will make a move if they can but they're not during they're not co- they're not competing during the week now once in a while that happens right paul we've seen where mm-hmm. they they bring a guy in if they can and they have enough money to to, to keep a guy under like you remember every time you sign somebody it costs you under the cap right no matter what it yeah. is and the so, other
4: thing is quite honestly with all the protocols going in
5: into into that's effect, right. these yeah. last couple that's of years one.
4: you get a little gun-shy bringing in guys you know at will
5: it, it, yeah. it tends to True. become a, a, a hindrance. You don't know where that guy was. He might have been in you know, in, in the Bahamas or something, you know, or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, and I don't it's, think he's coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe for a job he might, you know.
1: Oh,
4: <laughs> Jerry, thanks much, much for the phone call. Yeah, thanks else? for yeah, calling Yeah, You got it. Take care. Yeah, call Appreciate again.
6: it. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, really quick. I had a couple yeah. of t- tweets the last couple of days and, and questions from fans that I couldn't answer. Right. Um, in regards to Riley Dixon, and people were like, well, why did they even bring him back this year? I don't understand it. You, you know, Joe Judge should have known he wasn't very good. Can you just give me your opinion on oh, what's going on well, with Dixon and well, how much of an impact the head coach yeah. Joe Judge has on Riley Dixon as a punter?
5: Well, I will tell you this. I, I know that that uh, Coach Judge likes Riley Dixon a lot, and I know that he rides him hard because of what his expectations are of him. And remember, this guy is not a 15-year veteran. He's still a young player, and he's very strong, Um, I think what's happened to Riley, like a lot of these other guys in the league is that, you know, when I played, there was a couple kicks that we had. Okay. You had the coffin corner kick that I had, and you had basically an open field punt. Well, these guys have all these bags of tricks these days. They've got the Aussie kick. They've got the boomerang. They've got this kick. They got that kick. And I think what happens is that they try to be perfect on every single one of them rather than just specifically work on a couple things, right, John. So I think what, what's happened to Riley is I think he's tried to do too much. I think that coach judge has really been on him because of it. And I think that mentally uh, that he has to work on his game because physically the guy can kick the ball to the moon and he can put it outside the numbers. You saw a few years ago when he got his contract extension. So things happen in your mind. And this is a, this is for all players. So I think that's where Riley Dixon is, and what do you mean bringing him back this year? He, he you know, he's, he's a good player. He just has to get his, you know, what together, and I think that if there's anything like the previous caller, John, is that competition sometimes brings some of that stuff out, but you don't have the the luxury of having a guy come in here during the season, and, you know, a week or two, and compete against somebody to make somebody better. So um, that's. I, I think the biggest thing with Riley, guys, is that – because of some of the conservative nature of this offense, when they put Riley Dixon on the field, he's got to execute those plays to put that ball inside the 20 or the 10-yard line because it just doesn't make sense when you're, when you're punting from the 48, the 46, the 50. You're relying on your punter to give your team good field position or the other team bad field position, So, and I think that's where he's lacked this year. Hopefully that answers some of those questions.
4: While you're talking special teams, Jeff, I should throw out, in, in addition to Jerry's uh, question about the linebackers and Lorenzo Carter, Cam Brown's been a really good special teams guy. I know well, he's been a little bit, ran into some trouble in terms of uh, being available this year with, uh, with the injury and, and COVID and stuff. Uh, do you think he could possibly be a guy who can step up into the outside linebacker backer mix, too, based on what you've seen on specials?
5: You know what? I think that there's comes a time when there's the guys that are delegated to, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be in this league for a long time if you play special teams. And my the prime example of this is, is a guy like Chase Blackburn. I mean, he was a quality, quality special teams guy, a captain, a guy that was, you could count on playing all the big fours and making plays. And then was a was a, a viable backup if you needed him. And by the way, they needed he was a starter for a while. <laughs> they, you know? they needed him. Yeah, <laughs> they so, needed him badly. And I feel like Cam Brown is one of those guys where I I think I see him being fit into that mold. And I think that, you know, when he lined up as a gunner, we were all like, "What in the world is going on here? You got a linebacker running down as a as a." A gunner on the punt team, that should tell you a little bit about his speed and his agility and his athleticism. Yeah. And he's a good one. So that's kind of where I, th- I feel like he, he, he will you know, where his career will take him.
4: Yeah, the only other guy in the depth chart, and I don't know exactly how he's progressed from injury is Carter Coughlin. Uh I just, you know, we we, we don't know much about him because he went to IR and he, and he's lost for the season. So I don't know I don't know if he comes back to compete for his
5: position next summer or well, not. Listen, you remember at the beginning of the season, we were all pretty high on uh, the way he was competing for. A, oh, a, I know. You know, and then he I just got don't hurt. know where he stands
4: yeah. now after the injury.
5: And so. I, I would imagine if it was me, I would tell you that Carter Coughlin would have a better chance. I don't think both of them will ever be starters in the National Football League. This is just me now. Right. But I feel like if I had to pick and choose which one would probably have a better chance, I would say it would have been Carter Coughlin for me. I could be totally wrong, but that's no, just fa- me. Fair
4: enough. Yeah. I, I think Carter Coughlin showed more in his defensive snaps and the limited time the two guys have had. So I I would be on board with you there. But I certainly think they need to bring in another linebacker for competition at the very least. We go to line two. uh, Brian in Atlanta, you're
3: next on the show. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you?
4: Good. How are you?
3: Good, good, good. So um, big three or four weeks ahead, I think, for the team. And, uh, you know, we could probably – undo a lot of wrongs, not all, but a lot of them, if we handle these, you know, next few weeks properly. So, I, you, you know, I, I want to take a really simple view uh, of the, I guess, the predicament, if you will, that we're in right now. So football is, you know, both of you guys appreciate this. I mean, it's really simple, right? Blocking, tackling, you move the ball, you stop the ball. Yeah, I, I think in general we have a tendency to kind of overcomplicate things everyone involved in the sport, right? Fans, media, analysts, players, coaches, et cetera. You know, we talk about things like culture and scheme, mm-hmm. things going on behind the scenes. You know, we've even heard things like golf clubs and free soda. And it's all like, look over here instead of over here, right? Let's not overcomplicate.
1: Mm-hmm. So it should be
3: really simple. And so what I, what I mean here is it relates to evaluating the team and, you know, why they're in this position, you, you know, the, the best way to determine in life if, if, you, if you've made a right or wrong decision is to just look back a year, two years, five years, ten years, and ask yourself, right? Hey, if I could go back, knowing what I know today, would I make the decision again? Right? It's re- it's really that simple. It's just like blocking and tackling. So, you, you know, if you, if you rattle off a bunch of names, you know, let let's just be realistic with ourselves, and you know, let let's put Mr. Mara. And Mr. Tish, right? They're alone in a room and if, if they're asking themselves these questions, you know, I generally think we, we would all agree on how they would answer the question. So Eric Flowers, Eli Apple, Evan Ingram, Kyle Aletta, DeAndre Baker, Matt Fair, Saquon Barclay, Will Hernandez, Dexter Lawrence and, and maybe Daniel Jones, right? I'm not I don't want to debate any of those names. Just th- those are decisions that we made and we have now some period of time to reflect on how those decisions worked out. And ultimately, right, we, we made other decisions as a result of some poor decisions like Golden Tate and Dory Jackson and Kenny Galladay and Kyle Rudolph. And then, and then it comes down to this, right, and these two big decisions that we have over the next three to four weeks. We've got GM and we've got coach. I, 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 generally speaking, I, I think we know kind of where the co-owners fall on the GM. Now, with the other one, right, looking back at Pat Shermer, you know, I think they recognized an error, and they, and they undid that, that, that error. You know, you could argue the Ben McAdoo decision. Now, now where we are now, right, think about this, right, if, if, the, if the owners could go back two years ago, right, and evaluate the field of of potential candidates to coach the team, I think the, the the best way for them and most simplest way for them to make this decision is to ask themselves: Would we do it again? Would we hire a Coach Judge again? May, maybe the answer is I don't know. But but they've got to be honest with themselves, right? Because because when 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 the coach stands up and, and is asking the fans and the media and the owners to look over here. And not here, which is what this is all about, right? Fans don't care about, you know, free soda and golf clubs and vacation plans. They don't care. They care about what's right in front of them. So the, the owners have to ask themselves, if we give this another year, right, am I going to be asking myself the same question next year? Yeah, I think, I think that that's ultimately where this is. It's really simple. Good culture is a result of good players, Right. And I think we're going to make the, 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 the right decision on the GM, but you've got to deploy those players. So that second decision is absolutely critical. I don't want to be in their shoes, and I envy them. I don't envy them, excuse me, for having to make this decision. But this is an impactful decision because this decision, in many ways, is going to give us the ability or lack of ability to undo many of the wrongs that we've experienced over the last 10 years thanks
5: guys good call thank fair. you very fair yep i mean you have to look at it uh it's a great way to look at it and i think that you know in everyday life i think that's the way we look at things you go back and say you what know, i do it over again or how if i do do it over again how would i change it to make something better right and so um these are all questions and they're hard ones that you identified and i think that these are the things that are probably being talked about right now behind the closed doors and Uh, coming up on Monday when things usually in the National Football League happen and uh, people are going to want answers. And soon enough, Paul, we'll find out. (laughs) That's for sure. But Jeff,
4: Dan Reeves used to say things never stay the same. They will either get better or they will get worse.
5: Well, yeah, that's true. But they
4: cannot stay the same. They just don't. And so, uh, obviously, you know, whatever the front office decides to do over the course of the next several weeks is going to be incredibly important. There is no doubt about that at all. Okay, I guess we're going back to 201-939-4513. I believe Jamal in Dallas is next on line one. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, y'all. Thank you, Jeff and Paul, and thank you, John, for answering my call. Sure. Um, Sure. John John threw me off. I didn't realize he was a screener. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we're handed, <laughs> man.
5: We're sh- versatility is a key.
2: You're right. No, the more you're, you can right. Do, man. you're right. The
5: more you can do. <laughs>
2: so how about that Nick win yesterday, right? That last oh, minute Oh, man. You know,
5: shot. Oh,
4: Jay Barrett, everybody. <laughs> that was sweet. Nothing like right. beating the right. Celtics, man. I, You know, I'm you, sorry. You know but it. I go back to Willis Reed against Dave Cowens, okay? And, okay. Man, trust okay. me. Trust me. The, the hatred for that Celtic
2: green is deep. (laughs) That's what's up. So, Jeff, I'm actually calling when you and John were on together. I think it was either Wednesday or Tuesday when y'all were Mm -hmm. on together. And one of your questions y'all proposed was, um, what could have Joe Judge done differently to, I guess, to increase his winning, um, his winning stat, right? Mm -hmm. And I was telling John earlier, I was like, well, I personally believe how he handled the preseason. um, We could have easily easily at least got two wins uh, if we would have played certain players throughout the preseason. Um, I guess his philosophy, his mindset was to rest on players and and to get them ready within September, but I felt like by then it was too late. You know, we could have easily took that easy part of the schedule and went two and two, you know. Um, And even then, our offense wasn't even clicking on all cylinders when we had healthy individuals. I mean, the game I go back to, the Washington game, and we scored 29 points. But remember, we only scored two touchdowns. All the rest of that are still goes. So even though we scored two more touchdowns than what we have been doing um, the last 10 weeks of the season, even in the beginning of the season when we were all healthy, we had a healthy Daniel Jones, the, the O-line was somewhat healthy, um, we had most of our receivers there, and we still were only able to put up 14 points. Now, we were able to drive, but we couldn't cash in, right? So to me, I felt like, there was no progression from last year, right, with the offense. And then once everybody started getting hurt, the their offense definitely was worse. So so if I'm the new GM coming in, right, if I'm a new GM, or even if I'm Dave still there, right, because um, there's a lot of speculation going on. My question would be to Joe Judge, it was like, what are we going to do next year when everybody's coming back healthy and what's going to be different in the beginning of the season? Because the beginning of the season can lead you to, to to the end of the season, like last year, right? We we were decent. Some well, last year we went zero and whatever, and then midway through the season we wound up catching some wins, right? But put us in favor and contention and probably making the playoffs. But you got to start off fast. You can't start off well. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. You got to start off hot, right? We, you can't wait. And 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 I think to his point, it would have helped out. He would have started off fast, right? And then with the when then with the injuries coming along, then he would have had the excuse.
5: Of the injury bug, yeah, I think right? that, you know. I think, but but you don't know that. And I mean, I understand. and I think it's a fair point what you're making. I think a lot of people have made this point before: is that you know, wh- where was the training camp, and should they have played more and this and that to get a little bit more, you know, cohesiveness with that offense and things like that. Um, yeah, but you know, you, maybe they played all their players, and they still one problem with this team is in forever. Now they they just the slow starts have hindered them forever. You know, so when you look back like the previous caller before you was talking about looking back on things and how do you change things, I think it's certainly something you have to look at. Like, we know how are we going to do things different because what we've been doing up to this point hasn't been working in the first quarter or the first half of the season. The Giants start off one and five this season. Well, when you start off one and five. You, 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 so I mean, the you're, you are just like down there. I mean, you know, you're digging right. yourself out with two fingers. That's it. So it's. I it's mean, tough. I
2: think the fan base would have been great. Like some of these teams playing for playoff right, right? Some of these teams are fighting for a playoff right. You win, you're in. You know what I mean? I think we would have been okay being in a situation like that where we're eight and nine and we win. And, you know, that would have been looking That's promising, right? I was expecting for us to at least go six, seven wins. I didn't expect any more than seven. I just knew like we're at least going to at least match what we did last year, you know. Just just because I thought we we finished somewhat well, and I know Lance said you can't go off the previous season. And I know y'all made a bet about that (laughs) not going off previous seasons and how we should look coming into the next season. But it's hard not to look at that when you see the potential, when you see what you're doing in the draft, when you see what you're doing your free agency. It's hard not to think that we got to be better than what we were last year. And my last point is the offensive coaching staff. Once again. Whether it's Dave Gettleman, whether it's a new GM, they need to sit down with Judge and be like, look, man, I'm okay with your defensive crew. I'm okay with them. Um, there's some changes, some tweaks that need to be happening, because so they need to start faster than went into mid-season to get their act together. But just staff, like right? staff. Either we need some more veterans, some, some coaching veterans, because if I look at the staff, other than Freddie Kitchens, most of these guys are only in their second year of coaching, correct? Other than Jerry Saplinski and some of the special teams guys. But most of the office of people, the analysts and stuff, they're they're coming out of college, right?
5: There's a lot of them, a lot of young coaches there. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got yeah, so, Burns, so, who's, who's been around forever.
2: <laughs> but 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 also he's a college guy, though. He's not a yeah yeah um, a an NFL NCAA guy.
4: guy. That's true.
2: So what I'm saying is, so that could also be. Why we always look out coach on the offensive side is that we don't have a lot of NFL experience on that sideline from the offensive side. You know, it seemed like the defensive side got their act together with that. But offensively, it seemed like, you know, I get we're on a third string quarterback, and I get we're on some, some practice squad guys online. But I'm telling you guys,
6: there has to be a scheme. Has to, scheme can get people's open. Hey, Jamal, scheme Jamal. can get players open. Jamal, Jamal real quick. There's actually yeah. more college coaches on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. Last year, you oh, had Mark Colombo. He was an NFL guy. Garrett is an NFL yep. guy. Derek Dooley's an NFL guy. Tyke Tolbert's an NFL guy. Jerry is an NFL guy. Ben Wilkerson, the assistant offensive line coach, is an NFL guy. Uh, Flaherty, who's the assistant assistant offensive line coach, is an NFL guy. Freddie Kitchens, who's the offensive assistant, is an NFL guy. So. Yeah, actually, the two position coaches on defense that are college guys are Scherer, the linebacker's coach, and um, Spencer, the lineman coach, the offensive line coach. But otherwise, when Judge started here, his almost entire staff was NFL guys. They weren't college guys on offense.
4: Yeah. Guys who okay. had mixed okay. careers between the NCAA sure. and the NFL. Yeah,
6: but Derek, but, but Derek Dooley was a coach in Dallas for six, seven years. In the Dooley had a much longer okay.
4: career in the NCAA, though, John, to be honest. No, but he's an Before NFL yeah, he guy. Yeah, oh. NFL – yeah. Well, so what I was he's, looking he's, at he's was, trainer. I saw... No, but, but here's my point, right. though, Paul,
6: Paul. Paul, here's my point, though. Spencer and Scherer are pure college guys. Uh, yes, on defense, Dredd. There are no correct. pure college guys on offense. Zero. Oh, co- correct. Really? I agree okay. with that. I thought there was an analyst. I thought there was an Oh, and Burton Burns, you're right. Yeah. Jeff, we, you're right. We Burn. mentioned him earlier. No, you're right. Burn Burns, you're right, 100%. You mentioned him earlier. Burns, Burns. Burns. and I thought
2: there was an offensive analyst that was from college as well. Oh, this the analyst. The, the cross-checkers,
4: yeah. Yet, the the cross-checkers are young folks. position coaches <laughs> and
5: coordinators. There you go. Jamal,
4: we got to let you go, but I do want to tell you. Thank you, Jamal. You know, I was saying since August that there are going to be a lot of NFL head coaches who are going to rethink their training camp and preseason philosophies and probably play their guys a whole lot more snaps than they did this past year. I said it in August, and I'm not going to change my tune on that. This is not an about-face. This is not a second guess. Why, Why? This is something I felt then. Why? Because I I still believe in continuity. I believe in getting guys ready, and I think that you have too many teams who have gotten off to bad Septembers because September football is not very good. Because yeah, guys are being now, saved remember, they're too.
5: playing yeah. them, there's only three
4: games now too. Exactly, you know, and and I and I you know I I understand there's and and that's one of those things where I will agree to disagree with somebody. I'm not going to tell somebody they're wrong for doing it the other way. I happen to subscribe to the other the other side. I'm that's a hamburger true. guy, not a hot dog guy. Okay, <laughs> I want to play my guys during the preseason because I believe there's value in getting the system down getting the chemistry down getting the the timing down uh getting the toughness down toughen their skin i believe in all of that i know there's the the other the other segment says can't play them because we're afraid they're going to get hurt and then what do we do i get it if you want to be in that camp you can be i'm not going to tell you you're wrong i wouldn't play it that way and i said it then so i'm not changing my tune folks this is something i've always believed anyway We go back to the calls. Mike in Virginia, you're on line three. Hello.
7: Hey, good afternoon, fellas. Good afternoon. Hi. Happy (laughs) New Year to you all. You too. too.
1: Um,
7: I'm just calling in, like, I had a couple questions, like, with Slayton. Has he been playing hurt this year? Because he had a major drop off.
4: Yeah, he's got, well, right now he's in the protocol, plus he's nursing a sore shoulder Uh, I agree with you. It has been a very disappointing year for him, and coming off last year when he did play hurt, I don't know how much he's been uh, injured this season. Uh, It really hasn't Mm -hmm. come to the forefront, but he doesn't look like the same player.
7: He really doesn't. Like, um, I mean, it even goes to, like, I I would say, like, his on field awareness with certain stuff. Like, um, overall, like, I'm watching the man run, run his uh, fade routes or go routes, and he, he doesn't give any space on the sideline. The ball's thrown where, where it's not even catchable, but the route was horrible. And I'm not seeing him getting any separation. It's just this whole season, honestly, going into this season, I, I was very excited what we did last year. And the pieces that we added, I was like, you know what? We should at least win eight games. We could at least win eight games. And to see where it's at right now, yeah, we lost some uh, close ones. But uh, I mean, the, the the Redskins game, hey, they always say, man, you, you never let leave it into the, the hands of the the officials. If Slayton again would have caught that pass, that that would have been the game right there, I think. Um, but a lot of underachieving. Now, is that play calling? Is that individual? Who knows? But it's just we got so much. What what really pisses me off is we have so much talent on this team, and just can't get it together. We got talent just about in every position, and we cannot get it together. So what's the difference between us and teams that consistently make it into the pro the um the um what is this well, uh, playoffs? Because you got teams that have no names, but they can play together. We got good. Players out here and cannot make it. So I, I just want to know, you know, what's your opinion about
5: it? Well, I mean, it just depends on who's evaluating the talent. <laughs> uh, I think right. that you know, I mean, that's my answer. I, you know, you you can think all you want that a, a team that has four wins has a lot of talent on the team, but when you're looking at the way that they're playing as of late, uh you know, I don't know. I just I think you really gotta right. It's, it's 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 deep. I mean,
7: like like at, at at tight end, Evan Ingram, talented player, hell of an athlete, underachieving. Um, uh, the the receiver we picked up in free agency, the man oh, led man. the league in touchdowns. What two? Yeah, yeah, uh, two seasons, two three seasons ago, he hasn't had a touchdown yeah. yet. Underachieving. I mean we know we all know what was going on with Barkley, you know. I mean the injuries, coming back off injuries, I get it. But you it. know what though, you can answer your um, own questions
5: with that. With you know you know that Galladay they knew that coming in he was gonna be a little bit of a risk at injuries, right? But you know when he plays, yeah, he plays yeah, he's you're productive. Right, you're right. But but listen to you're this, right. so you kinda knew what you were getting. But however, he's got talent. He does have talent. Um mm-hmm. but unfortunately, you gotta get the ball to him.
7: Yeah. <laughs> like what was the issue that that was another thing like the chemistry it, it we, we kept hearing it in the preseason like um Jones chemistry with Gallet is not there and then it shows in game day and it's like what's going on here like i know i know um you got different types of quarterbacks Jones to me is more of a pinpoint accuracy quarterback he's not throwing you open and is that an issue? Because Gallaudet is more of a 50-50 ball catcher. So do you think that might be an issue?
4: I mean, I, I personally, I think that he's made some contested catches this year, but I think there are others where he didn't pull them down. And I was thinking to myself, for a guy whose specialty okay. is con- contested catches, I'm a bit disappointed in even those plays that, that he has not had enough of, to be frank with you. I'm very let down by Galladay, okay. just as I'm sure the the Bears are let down by Robinson, right? Those were the two guys, the yeah. two big time wide receiver free agents that everybody talked about in the offseason, and I think every Giants fan was like, gotta get one of those two guys. Well both of those guys fizzled this yeah. year. Mike, you know yeah. you know what the big problem um, is? Hindsight's twenty twenty and it's always going to be accurate <laughs> yeah. and correct. That's the problem. Yeah. Ahead of time, if, if you knew uh, ahead of time, and that's why I love people when they pick apart the draft, well, if you knew ahead of time this guy wasn't going to be as he was projected,
7: well, then you wouldn't have taken him. Duh. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Mike, I, thanks I got for the one call. one more thing for you, Paul. Yeah. i got one more thing, Paul. Sure. Uh, over-under, what do you, you think on the, the seam route this week? <laughs> How many are we going to get? Oh, man?
4: my goodness. You know, that's one of my pet peeves. It's one of the plays that I'd like to see a lot more of, Mike. I don't even want to take a guess. I appreciate the call, though. Please get back to us another time. We got one more guy to squeeze in here because actually we're overtime. But Marty's been uh, waiting for us, so we'd like to give you a chance, Marty. You're next on the show.
9: Hey, Paul. Thanks. Uh, Hi. I was just telling John. Uh, I I hope that uh, we have some more uh, interviews with Phil Sims. Uh, a little more than we've had. Maybe uh, he can make some more. Uh, you know, time to you know available uh but what i what i did want to say is uh he was a stand-up guy uh i was working for ps at the time up north and uh we were working over by the uh meadowlands diner and who comes driving in in his white jaguar uh at the time was uh was phil sims and uh you know we all seen him we were all like oh, hey, there's phil there's phil you know and uh we waved him over and he came over and uh he started talking to us like like you know he was talking to like one of the guys you know started signing some autographs for the guys uh unfortunately i didn't get an autograph cuz somebody had to do the work so uh you know we uh we we really uh were happy to see uh that, you know how stand up you know how stand up he was and uh the one thing i think you remember about the Meadowlands Steiner years ago was that there was a lot of uh, sports writers that used to conduct their interviews in there with uh, either coaches or players from the Giants. Uh, it's a legendary place, might, no doubt. Yeah, I think you might remember that.
4: Legendary place.
5: And I'll tell you, I remember it. I remember it because when we used to come back from those West Coast trips, like Denver and L.A. and some of those places, the Arizona, um, this is back when I was with the Giants. We would get off the plane at, what, 4.30 in the morning, 4 in the morning, we went straight to the Meadowlands Diner for dinner with the linemen. It was O'Hara and Deal and those guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Sneak. And I'm going to let you know a little secret. Back in the day when George Young was the GM,
4: the Giants used yes. to bring the incoming free agents when they would come in for a visit. They, <laughs> they would, there? believe it or not, they used to stop at the Meadowlands Diner and have conversation.
5: Wow, they must have some good food then. Now,
4: that, now that's <laughs> back in the day. Now we're talking about like the early '80s. Okay, that is that is a long time ago. That's when I started.
5: Get you, yeah, yeah. Well, I, no scrap. Uh,
4: I there. said I
9: would. Yeah, actually, I said we were working at the Meadowlands diner, but we happened to be working on the building behind the Meadowlands diner, mm-hmm. and I think everybody remembers what that place was back then years ago.
4: Well, appreciate the phone call. Is there Thank something you. about this current team before we let you go? No, he's, he's already yep. gone. Thank you so much for the call, and please uh, ring us back again. Jeff, that's going to do it uh, for today's good. edition. I will see you on Sunday. Remember, folks, 1 o'clock yep. kickoff, Giants in Washington at MetLife Stadium, pregame show on WFAN uh, at 1130 in the morning, and we'll be out there on the MetLife stage. So if you do come over to the game, please drop by and say hello. Jeff, always good talking to you, and we'll see you then. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants podcast platforms everywhere. You can always go to Giants.com slash podcast as well to catch it on the archive. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Tatino. So long, everybody.